0: Hello and welcome to the Behind the Headlines podcast, brought to you by Bristol's independent media, Bristol 24-7. My name is Betty Woolerton and each week we bring you compelling and fascinating conversations from people all over our amazing city, delving behind the headlines of Bristol's news, culture and more. Reports of hate crimes against LGBTQ plus people have risen by more than 50% in the West in the last two years, and a staggering 24% of homeless people identify as LGBTQ. Plus. Against the backdrop of these statistics, AKT is a charity created in 1989 to serve queer young people who are currently experiencing homelessness, might be at risk of experiencing homelessness, or are living in hostile or abusive environments. It started in Greater Manchester and has gone on to expand their services to London and Newcastle and now have opened offices in Bristol. On a recent afternoon, I spoke to AKT Chief Executive Tim Sigsworth in their new St. Paul's base about why young queer people are so overrepresented in homeless statistics. The struggle of rejection when they come out to family and the much needed support AKT will bring to our city. So, I guess, kind of for, for people who might not have heard of you before or come across what you do, would you mind just giving a little bit of a, like a, a potted history of, of AKT and, and what you do?
1: Yeah. Um, AKT is just amazing. It was the first organisation in the world to support um, LGBTQ youth who were facing homelessness. And um, we were actually founded by an ally. And I think that's a really interesting part of our story, that it was an ally that actually had been um, been a foster mum for lots of queer um, children and just was so inspired and so devastated by them being rejected just because they were brave enough to be who they are that she set up the charity and she galvanised the queer community at that point in history when um, we had Section 28 rallies when we, we basically had no rights, when people were dying of HIV and AIDS. She kept brought us together and galvanised behind creating AKT, which basically to this day, 34 years later, provides safe homes and better futures for LGBTQ plus youth across the country.
0: Mm-hmm. And then when did you come onto the scene?
1: How long have you been here for? Well, I'm, I have been working in positions in the queer community for like 24 years now but i actually came to akt in 2007 but i've known of albert kennedy trust as if we were known then since i was a teenager and actually they were just a little bit too late for me they were two years out but yeah i came on in 2007. Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and so you support you know young people who are part of the queer community who might be at risk of facing homelessness or are homelessness. Mm. Could you just kind of go through what, you know, the reason why your services are needed and kind of what, like, a maybe a typical story of, of a queer person facing homelessness might be?
1: We have around 122,000 young people that are at risk or experiencing homelessness. That's not including families, but that's just young people. And we know reliably that probably a quarter of them... No, when I say probably, we know that at least a quarter of them identify as LGBTQ+. That doesn't include those that are hidden from sight because they're too frightened to come out. And we know that in over 70% of the cases, it's because they've suffered rejection, abuse or rejection from home just for being brave enough to come out. So there's a massive need, and it's not gone away... And we see more young people today than we ever have, and that's you know we've grown into a national service because need is so strong. But also, what we found is that because where we are, queer queer young people when they go to mainstream services that offer similar things to AKT, they just don't feel safe, or they don't get the quality of understanding around who they are. So it's critical that we pick up
0: that piece. Mm-hmm and you, so you said that is it a quarter a quarter of of young homeless people are identify as lgbtq plus it's
1: yeah i mean we did some research but that research needs updating that's 2015 mm-hmm. but if i give it a comparator in the states more recent research has shown that 40% of queer youth in north america who are facing homelessness identify as yeah, yeah, yeah. lgbtq plus mm-hmm. so you know we can we can basically say at least twenty four percent, quite confidently.
0: And I guess that's you know that's that's a big proportion, isn't it? What, you know what what are kind of the why is that? Do you think what what are the reasons for that? I I
1: think we may have legislation does drive inclusion, so it doesn't matter what rights we've got. The fact of the matter is there's so much ignorance even today around LGBTQ plus lives that people still do not understand. And what we don't understand we fear. And if people fear things, you know, when I was a teenager in the 80s, my mum, when I tried to come out to her, just said, well, you, you're going to get AIDS and die. That was her idea of what it was to be queer. Today, if you come out as trans, it's like, well, you're going to be hated and vilified in society, so I'd say legislation, people's attitudes have not caught up with legislation. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line mm-hmm.
0: and when when young queer people do come to you for, for your for like the, the services that you provide, you know what what problems are they often facing what, what do they come to you with?
1: i mean this is this is the big thing for us. The stories of young people have got so complex now. So there are multiple layers of oppression and discrimination. So just for an example, a black, queer young woman will be facing multiple um, issues when they're thrown out of home, coming out. First of all, you know, um, they will often go into um, white predominantly white service provision that doesn't understand their identity as a black person they will often have, end up in a, a, heterosexual, a heterosexual environment within that as well so it's it's usually what we see is first thing comes through is they're facing multiple levels of discrimination and oppression secondly they've been rejected by the people who have loved and cared for them most of their life so they've got, they'll come to us with low self esteem, self worth There may be more complex mental health issues which have been exacerbated by all that rejection, fear and abuse. Speaking of abuse, we have many young people who've experienced physical, verbal and other forms of abuse as part of that journey, often by siblings or maybe within school as well. So it's multiple environments of discrimination and hate that they've faced. On top of that, we're seeing many more young people who are facing financial Issues, that's a big one. So I'd say you've got the mental health piece, you've got the homelessness piece, and then, you know, the financial issues that they're facing, trying to survive. And obviously, you can imagine, imagine, I I don't know what the average rent is in Bristol, but if you've got no support from your parents, you are trying to survive on a, a wage that's minimal and you're trying to get into accommodation, it's impossible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, we, there's that multiple layers of, of, that they're facing. And then, if you imagine, we've just been hearing at this event today from a 19 year old person. Just imagine being 19 and having to navigate that and navigate a system. And, then, and that, in and the point, the main point now is once they get through the door of a the service, they're not prioritised. So, that's, that's the big challenge. They swap a whole load of problems that they come there with, from problems of being excluded, being discriminated against services.
0: Mm-hmm. And I guess the pandemic was probably a really tough time for yeah. a lot of people that you that you deal with, because you know young people are you know stuck at home with families that aren't necessarily you know treating them the way that they should. You know, have you seen? Have you seen? What has the effect of the pandemic been like for, for young people, do you think?
1: Oh, I, do you know what? It's just people have focused on other, other people's experiences of the pandemic and not many people talk about young people's experiences. And, I mean, let's just start with the fact that, imagine at the beginning of the pandemic when we had lockdown. And young people were trapped in homes with potentially abusive parents, you know, where they were facing rejection, where they didn't want them there. So just imagine that. The one place where you had to stay and be safe was actually a threatening and misfortune environment. So they faced that. The next thing is that um just the the, the myth that young people do not want face-to-face contact, you know, the idea that they live their lives online and all that ridiculousness. Of course they do. And how wonderful it is because it's created a global queer community. However, they have no opportunity to to actually sit down with other queer people and, you know, talk and be together and be safe. So they face that. And I think the other thing that we hear a lot from young people is... um, the risks they took during during lockdown. So you know, um, where can I? How can I meet? How can I reach out? How can I escape this home life? And they use apps. So you know, there were young people taking risks, and you know, and obviously a lot of those apps, they they're at risk of sexual exploitation or abuse as well. So it was just a really hostile environment for them to be stuck in. And a really lonely environment. And that's why I think for AKT, we did a lot of Google Hangouts. So we, our youth engagement team did a lot of work with young people in groups. Um, and then that, it's really interesting. Because I've talked to some young people on Saturday about our g and strategy consultation and they said that was the one thing that got us through being able to meet as a huddle online and just talk rubbish to each other and just be together and know that there was a space outside these hostile environments we were trapped in. So we've got all of that. The other thing people forget is whose jobs went first when companies were cutting they, they looked to their the new employees so young people lost jobs ended up in financial debt and even if they could get out of home after the lockdown period, finding rented accommodation, finding safe spaces was impossible. The, I mean, I have to say it all sounds very grim and very horrible, but the one good thing for from that I saw was that our digital service was there to pick young people up and be there for them, and especially if we look at the southwest, like. You, you can imagine you're a young person in a little village in, in Cornwall and I remember a young person once saying to me, if, you, if you're homeless in Cornwall, you've got a tent in a field, that's your life and I can't even, as a city boy, I can't even imagine what that's like but, you know, imagine you're in that little area and you're so isolated and you're full of loneliness So it's not surprising young people have faced so much mental health issues and, you know when they were in
0: that environment, mm-hmm. yeah. And so you mentioned a couple of like maybe positive, you know, silver linings yeah. perhaps of the pandemic. You know, what was it like for AKT to have to adapt to all of these um, barriers and obstacles at that time?
1: Yeah. And I, I think, uh, first of all, I just want to talk about the staff team. I cannot even, you know, in my little privileged world of not doing the frontline work anymore like I used to, it's just... What our team had to work with during lockdown, being at home seeking sanctuary themselves and having to hear young people's stories and all the pain they're in, and having nowhere to talk to a colleague or get away from that situation. They were trapped in other people's you know, stories. So that was horrible. But I think um, what it meant for our team as well was we became, because we'd already got a digital service. But during the lockdown, we were able to build and build and build and build on that. And just that instantness of digital, you know, being able to, for example, young person who was in danger of being sent abroad for a forced marriage. Now, if they had tried to get to our service, that may have taken days, weeks, whatever, for them to get that courage. They went online. We were able to immediately support them and say, "Look, lose your passport." They went, "What? Lose your passport? Can't find your passport? You're not going anywhere." And I said, "Can you get it?" Well, somebody said, "Can you get it?" They did. They lost the passport. They didn't go anywhere, and then we were able to help from there. But it's that instant moment that you would never get, even if you lived in, in St Paul's where we are now. You wouldn't get that instant. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing. They could really transform things for young people online. Mm-hmm. So our staff were amazing, but I think they faced so much, you know, and their mental health suffered as well,
0: massively. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so we're in St Paul's right now, which is where your new, new offices are. Do you, know, do you think that there's a particular need for AKT's services in Bristol and, and in the southwest? West?
1: Ab- absolutely. Um, and I'm really glad of <laughs> that because a few years ago, we used our own research and we got Birmingham University to do a piece of research to look at that need around Bristol. And I think there are some amazing services in Bristol. But what we got fed back again and again by young people is Um, The South West is a huge place and provision varies greatly. You know, if you're you're in South Wales, you know, right at the top, it's a very different story to if you're in the heart of Bristol. And access is different. And, you know, we know that 15% of our young people that we work with digitally come from Bristol and South West region. So we know there's a big need. Um, we're also conscious that it's it's an expensive place to live and rent. Um, it's, you know, there's some great services, but there's also nothing like AKT here. So it's vital we're here. And just hearing the stories we've heard today from young people, it's just clear that Bristol is a place they love. They want to be in, but they want to feel safe and included in so yeah mm-hmm. the, it's it for me it, i'm I'm really not surprised it's worked out so well post being here
0: mm-hmm. and so you, i mean you probably, you might have seen this, but the uh, freedom of information request um I think it was in the summer showed that queer people in Bristol and in the southwest uh hate crimes against them had risen by fifty percent um you know with more kind of homophobic crimes being reported, you know, what, what does that mean for AKT? And, like, I guess also why, why do you think that is? Do you have, like, an insight into that?
1: Well, I think it's, it's, again, this thing that in whenever there is a crisis, whatever it is, whether it's a financial crisis, whether whatever the situation, the vulnerable in society will always be picked on. And it's how people hide what they're doing. So I think, you know, talking to a young person downstairs about how, you know, it's very easy to distract people from the real situation and make them focus on a minority group. And so therefore, in these times, inclusion suffers. So I'm not surprised there. I think the other thing for me is it's, it's become a focal point that I don't think hate crime has, has gone up. I think it's more visible. I'm hoping there's more, the more reporting is down to the work of organisations like AKT. But that that for me as well, it's this thing about, oh, um, trans people. Oh, wow, suddenly a problem. Trans people have been walking the earth for many, 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 many years. It's just because people have changed their focus and everybody, you know, whenever there's a crisis, people will focus, like I said on a vulnerable group because then it takes the focus off them. I think that's what it is. I do, I, I, it, it's it's mortifying that increase in Bristol and the South West. But I'm glad people are aware of it because we can do something about it.
0: Mm-hmm. And now AK, AKT is in Bristol. What does that mean for young queer people who are at risk of homelessness? What can, what can you do for them? What can you do for us here? I I think, I mean, the first thing we will offer them is a safe and inclusive
1: space to get support. And that, that should never be underestimated because, as you said, hate crime is going up. Out there, it's a hostile environment if you're queer. In here, you're safe and you're listened to and you're heard. Every aspect of your identity is recognised. So I think that's the first thing. And that is so important if you can for your self-worth. Also, because the team is super connected with other services, they'll make sure that we don't forget about your financial issues. We don't forget about your employment issues. We don't, we obviously will focus on your housing and getting you somewhere safe that's affordable. So we'll, you know, we've got that for you and we'll do, do our best to get you somewhere safe. But we'll, it's giving young people that mental resilience, that access to resources, whether it's a rainbow starter pack, which is a really old fashioned term for us helping you with your deposit, first month's rent, everything you need to like, be able to get in somewhere safe. Whether it's about coming along to our youth engagement uh, work and meeting other young people that you can draw strength from and build a family from, so it's, it's wonderful. Whether it's about mentoring, so you've got somebody who's helping you build your career and find that opportunity you need. So it's like it, it's it's all of that. It, it's giving, but most of all, giving young people a safe home. Mm-hmm.
0: And how can young people connect with AKT? How can they reach you?
1: Obviously, best way to reach us: go on our website, AKT.org.uk, is a really good way. You can get straight into the digital support that we've got, and that's your gateway to getting support wherever you are in in, in um, the UK.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing. And finally, have you got a message that you might want to give to maybe to young queer people who might be at risk of homelessness or just generally, you know, facing a you know, difficult time at the moment?
1: I think, I think there's two messages. I think one of them is there is support out there and it's absolutely for you. It doesn't matter how much rejection, abuse and isolation you're fe- feeling in society. There are there is places like AKT where you can get support. So you needn't cope with all that crap on your own. We're here. But the other message I'd say is you are amazing. We know what you're going through. And there is, you know, you don't try and sort this yourself. Couldn't get that support. And it will get better because we will help you with that. Other people will help you with that. The low point you're feeling right now is absolutely the bottom of the pit. And we will help you and other people will help you get out of that. And you will be an incredible person. And you are, you will, you can, you can achieve your dreams. You can get where you need to get. You've just got to trust in other queer people who can support you and help you out of that. Like Kitty.
0: Thank you so much to CEO Tim Sigsworth and the team at AKT for taking the time to speak to Bristol 24 7 at their new space in the St Paul's Learning Centre on Grosvenor Road. Like Tim said, do reach out to them if you feel you need their services by visiting www.akt.org.uk forward slash get help. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the Bristol 24/7 Behind the Headlines podcast. I've been Betty Woolerton, and if you do want to support independent journalism in Bristol, please do consider becoming a member for just 5 pounds a month or 45 pounds a year by heading to our website, which is bristol247.com. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Thank you.